You are now listening to the Life is Not Complicated You Are podcast with mentor, role model, proven philanthropist, and best-selling author, your host, Carlos Wallace. Welcome to season five of the Life is Not Complicated You Are podcast. Um, This is a special season because I would like to be an example of how to discuss politics without getting into a fight. Uh, Liz, <laughs> Liz is like, she, she don't think it's possible. She don't think it's possible. But I know I'm, I'm normally the one kind of controlling things and asking the questions. But this season, I want Liz to do the honor. And uh, I will show her how to keep your composure <laughs> while discussing <laughs> politics. It's just it's laughable that but it's doable we're even engaging in this but um you know what i'm i'm all for it i'm game if if you like it i love it baby <laughs> well we we talk about politics a lot we do together uh, and we typically well i don't want to say we fight sometimes we don't really i think disagree. We, we don't no, really disagree uh, and and sometimes you use the word fight in uh, in an inappropriate way. I believe we have very spirited debates. Because I don't fight. I, I'm too old. I'm, my fight years way behind me. They left me in the night. Don't lie to your yeah, listeners. I don't know. Uh, because um, yeah, these it's hands just, don't it's, work. It's no disingenuous. These hands don't work. Anymore. And if your hands don't work, because you know I've been getting my little sexy on, I'm going to need for your hands to work. In, you know, in case something jump off in the streets of Brooklyn and Queens, I'm going to need you to be my protector. You understand? So I hope your hands do kind of work. I done told you I'm going to be your protector. Uh, meet me at the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know All right. Me? You all heard you, this. You heard Country when, Wayne. That, 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 when that, you that, see he the, said, the he, he, story. Said, he said, that's him? Like, man, turn around, man. I don't even have insurance, man. I got kids. I, no, I can't be out here wow. getting beat up. Wow. I will. You know what? Duly noted. Duly noted. Well, I tell you what, I, I can hire somebody. You okay? Well, yeah. whatever keeps me out of harm's way, whether you have to pay for it or do it yourself, I'm shout all out good to Lorenzo. Ah, our built-in familial bodyguard. Shout out to Lorenzo, indeed. But you know what? All jokes aside, we do have great talks. What I love about our talks, especially with regard to politics, is uh, I always learn something new from you. I had not been this engaged in politics in a very long time. And I'm engaged in politics in a different way. I'm not engaged so much as a journalist doing the fact checks and the research. I'm engaged in the process because you get me really excited. Mm. You make me very passionate about it. And you have reminded me, not that I didn't know, you have reminded me how important it is to be a voice, especially now in, in this day and age and with... Uh, the pol- the political landscape we're in now. One of the stories that I really loved that you told me about, which I didn't know, quite honestly, uh, full disclosure there, was about Lily Ledbetter. And yeah, <laughs> I know, because you, you know how much I enjoy that. We I just happened to be watching a news segment this morning, um, and they were doing yet another tribute, you know, rightfully so, to Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And they remarked on how she was an integral part of the Lilly Ledbetter legislation, which was the first piece of legislation that President Barack Obama signed yep. as soon as he got into office. Yep. So uh, you, you tell the story really well. Uh, I'll just tell people, you know, once you've completed 
the uh, story from your perspective. You you guys really need to go look it up. You need to go see, uh, read Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dissent about Lily Ledbetter and read about the the actual signing of it by President Barack Obama. But you tell the story because uh, this will never get old to me. Well, um, I, I have to first preface it by saying I've had three career-type jobs, right? Um, the U.S. Navy, where I proudly served. Um, of course, I was a prison guard on Texas death row. And last but not least, I was an engineer for Union Pacific Railroad. And all three of these jobs... Um, you you pay the position and not the person. So we didn't really have uh, pay disparities. You know, for instance, in the military, if you're E1, you're paid as an E1. If you're E2, you're paid as an E2. It doesn't matter what your job is. It matters what your rate is. So if your, your rate is E1, E2, E3, so forth, so on. And that determines your pay. Prison guard, kind of the same thing. CO1, CO2, CO3. Whether you work population or death row, it's, you know, same pay. Well, as an engineer, whether it's a male engineer or female engineer, my run was Houston to Shreveport. If it was a male engineer that made the run, you're paid that same as you would if you were a female. So pay disparities to me is kind of foreign. Not that I don't realize it exists. Oh, it exists. It exists. Trust it's just, and you know, my answer is always <laughs> if it was union, we wouldn't have to worry about right, it. Right, right. Especially so, in the industry that, that I came up in. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't realize that until I, I started dating you. And and I, I can clearly see it now, you right. know. Yeah. Um but Lily Ledbetter was is a lady. She she discovered her pay disparity. A person, you know, performing the same job, mm-hmm. you know, same level of uh, education, you know, on par, except it was a man. Right. Paid tremendously more. And and, she, and she found this out after 19 years. She, she found was out after good 19 year. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so she filed a lawsuit. Well, she first brought it up and, you know, they said, hey, we do understand. We'll take care of it. They kind of just drug her along, mm-hmm. drug her along. And when she finally had enough, filed the lawsuit, when it finally reached the courts, you know, the place where they said, well, man, you know, you would have won, but the statute of limitations is up. Not that you were wrong, it's just too late. Oops. And she, her thing was, well, how can it be too late if I didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, And going back to my, you know, my professions, to discuss your salary was not a, it's not, it was not a big deal, right? But in the corporate world, and I didn't know this as much until I met you, that you you don't discuss your pay, man. That'll, that'll, oh, that's grounds know. for dismissal in yeah, some companies. Because yeah. oh, yeah. when you and I met, you know, I would tell you, hey, yeah, this is how much we make on the railroad. This is what this trip pays. And you said, y'all just talk about y'all pay that loosely at work? I said, yeah, because it's not a secret. Right. If you're on a certain job, a guy has an idea what you make. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be different um, arbitraries that you're afforded because you hired out before a certain time but the base pay of that job is the same for whoever works it Mm -hmm. and so that part was never a secret so this bill because i'm always fighting for women i'm always fighting for equality period and so um in the workplace it always seemed to be it's more for women because 
how is it she can perform the same job mm-hmm. the same way with the same results for less pay? So you're and saying you fight more for women, especially of course, in, in the workplace. Of course. And, and thank you for that. Because it's how, how can anyone look at that and think it's fair? So when when Barack was elected, at, you know, I worked his campaign. Yeah. And when he was elected and that bill was signed, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I called you that day, but it was <laughs> not long after it. It wasn't long after. And you had you never heard of Lily Ledbetter. Nope. You never heard of Lily. And I was like, that's that's one of the promises he made, mm-hmm. you know, along the way. That's not one that the media picked up because it wasn't sexy. You know, um, sadly, Democrat or Republican, the millionaires, they want to keep pay like, it, you know what I mean? Right, they want right. to they want to keep it status quo. And and imagine that a, a well, president keeping his promise. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm not going. <laughs> but that's that's my take on that. You right. know, um, it, it, it meant a lot to me. It was very special because a he kept his promise, mm-hmm. you know, and that that meant a lot. And so um, it, it kind of set the stage on what type of president I figured he would be. Right. Right. You know? So, again, uh, just to let you all know. Uh, not only is it an important piece of legislation, it's a story I never tire of hearing about because it always encourages me and always empowers me. Um, it's the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act of 2009. Definitely look it up and understand the reasons why uh, when, when Carlos and I do actually have these conversations and I learn these things, you start researching further, not only into a particular story, but you start researching into just a particular trend and and hey there there'll never be a trend less important than equality especially Correct. gender equality now and, you and shout out to lily Ledbetter because mm-hmm. she knew at the point she knew like the the statute of limitations were up right but she still pursued she didn't it give up because she didn't want it to happen to anyone else okay and that's what it's all about like we have too many people that'll say oh well i'm not gonna be rewarded oh well i you know throw in the towel right no it's all and it, as a union officer, you mm-hmm. know, that was my job, like to make sure it didn't happen to anyone else. Right, right. That's important. And here's the and, and I can attest to the fact that on on several jobs that I've had along my career path, I've discovered that, you know, I was making less money uh, than colleagues and people that were doing the exact same job that I was doing. And while I did pursue it, internally and I challenged it internally uh, to whatever avail I think the importance of this is and the importance of this podcast is knowing how to take something like this like this particular situation like the situation with Lily Ledbetter take it out of the workplace because she sought the help of her local politicians Mm -hmm. obviously um, one of whom happened to be you know, uh, Senator mm-hmm. Obama at the time, who, lo and behold, became president of the United States and made a difference. And I'm not saying every single situation is going to end in such grand style, but you know what? The point you made is she didn't give up. She took hey, it. She took it to her local to politicians. Bully, but Thank let you. him know you were there. Let him know you were there, right? You know, leave a leave a couple of uh, <laughs> leave get, a couple of marks. Get to, your licks in. There you go. You, you so every time mean. he looks in the mirror, he's like, "Man, They'll I remember this." Yes. They'll respect you. That's, and that's what it's all about. So again, yes, Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, so worth looking into, especially now as we all continue to pay tribute to uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and and that's going to go on for a very long time, at least for me as a woman. You snuck in trying to be on the cool 
How, yeah, you know, I, I organized for uh, Senator Barack Obama. Like, like that's something anybody could really just come out and say on a regular basis. I didn't say it like yeah, that. You did. You did. You had a little bass in your voice when you said it. I <laughs> caught it. Maybe nobody else did. Um, organizing. Yeah. The importance of which, once again, I did not really understand until, mm. you know, I, I, I started dating and then eventually married a union man. Uh, the importance of organizing, the importance of unions, the importance of collective bargaining. This is the type of stuff that you hear and you read about, but you don't quite grasp how important it is mm -hmm. um, and in what circles it puts you in. Mm -hmm. You have had the benefit of, of being among some of the greatest minds with regard to labor law, organizing, um, politics. Which Ring is, the bell on NASDAQ. You rang the... Oh, okay, we gotta okay, because you know, you know, we can't bring that up. That that's another podcast because that's a fight. But yes, you did do that, and you have constantly and consistently just expressed to me the importance of what that role and what that position mm. um, not only has done for you, but what it can do for other people if they get to know about it, understand it, and maybe participate in that process. Yeah. Start first, though, with 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 your organizing for a senator. Obama. What well, can I back? I want to back up first. To yeah. Mm -hmm. Around nine years old. Um, sh shout out to Dwight Christopher. God rest his soul. He used to. Uh, I'm not sure what his position was, but it was on a state level in Texas. And he would he would come round up the the guys in the neighborhood, man, and he would pay us to put the the uh, political flyers in people's mailbox. You know, he, he'd load us all up and he'd give me a stack and, you know, give John John a stack. And he'd say, OK, you get on one side of the street, you get on the other mm -hmm. and walk this street, stuff the mailbox and I'll pick you up on the other end. And not just us two, like, you know, his sons, uh, Derek, Jeffrey, Lorenza, Staten, uh, Vincent, like it would be just all of this us. Like he us 20 your, bucks. Yeah, this your whole this. That was your yeah. whole clique. That was your whole crew, man. <laughs> and we, we just we had no idea what we were doing. Right. We just we were just making 20 bucks, you know. <laughs> And so, lo and behold, two years later at 11, my grandfather ran for judge. And I thought, man, it'd be cool. Now I get to put his flyers in the mailbox, you know. Right. Not realizing he's in Anderson County and I'm in Cherokee County. So the mailbox in my county wouldn't matter. <laughs> so I learned a little more. You learned. You know, you, mm -hmm. you start to learn territories. But uh, needless to say, by the time I was uh, a senior in high school, I had a full grasp on uh, you know how to get the how to get out the vote, and target your people, uh, and it did help that I was a, a newspaper boy, you know. So politicians would pay me to stuff my papers with their political, uh, you know, uh, ads and whatnot. So yeah, I, I learned that. Now fast forward, um, I was at a union convention regional meeting in Reno, Nevada, hmm. in two thousand five, I think it was. Yeah. And Senator Barack Obama was there. Mm -hmm. And Hillary, Hillary came prior to. And the union guys were just all excited about Hillary because Hillary, uh, Bill did a lot for the union. And guys remember that. Mm -hmm. You know, there were some guys still working for the railroad that were there when Bill was in office. And they remembered how much he helped union workers. So quite naturally, 
they wanted to follow Hillary. They was like, hey, we, we, we put her in there, man. We'll kind of get the same treatment that Bill gave us. But it was just something about Barack. And, and I'm one of very few blacks. Like right. it was may, maybe eight, six or eight of us mm-hmm. out of, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand. And so when it was time for Barack to speak, the room was fairly empty, you know, because he was he was a no name guy. Nobody knew this little big ear dude, you know. And I said, man, I want to I want to wait to hear him speak. And it was just something about the words he was saying, you know, and he made me a believer with just how he was speaking you know and and i know some people will say well it was probably just because he was black no i mean jesse jesse jackson had ran before barack Mm -hmm. and i'd heard jesse speak and it it just didn't grasp me like that Mm -hmm. it just it didn't move me it didn't make me a believer and it was just something about barack that made me a believer and so later um chuck hobson a mentor of mine he was running for state legislator in in texas and he asked our organizing boss if I could work his campaign. He's in my hometown. And, and you know, Chuck said, hey, it makes sense. Look, you come home, work my office, uh, the union, takes yada, yada, yada. And that didn't work out. And I was really upset about it because, I, you know, I, I really love Chuck. Man, right. And I had worked his campaigns before just voluntarily. And, and John Natalin said, well, don't worry about it. You know, there'll be there'll be some there'll be things later that's better. And lo and behold, <laughs> I had the opportunity to work the Barack Obama campaign. Oh, that was better. <laughs> just a little bit, you know, a just a little bit, bit. A tad bit. Now it was it was a lot of work because you travel a lot. I don't think people realize how much travel you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're you you're in cities for three days and you're literally pounding the pavement for sixteen and eighteen hours a day. You just go to the hotel just enough to shower, sleep, and wake up and do what you got to do tomorrow, you mm-hmm. know. So it, it was a lot of work, but it paid off. It, it really paid off. And to see the vote tally and to see him win, it just it made me feel like we all won. Right. Well, I guess we do. You know, as organizers, we all won. Our team won. Mm-hmm. And that was just an amazing feeling. Uh, so the second time around, it was a no-brainer. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you didn't have to think about it. No, no. no. <laughs> I, w- I would have done it free. Right. I really would have. I would. I would have spent my money to fly around and to campaign. I would have. Here's the importance of that uh, to me. In in my opinion, is uh, how you open up the mind to the relevance of of organizing and what it can achieve, and it doesn't just stop at labor. We, you and I, we talk, you, t- you joke all the time and we talk about it all the time from Jesus, who was an organizer mm-hmm. to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was an organizer Malcolm uh, X. to Malcolm X, um, you know, uh, Senator Barack Obama. To prior me, to Al being Sharpton senator. is the greatest. Al Sharpton. Uh, yeah, there's and a that, lot of people that don't exactly. like him, but he's and an amazing that organizer. Is, that is where I, where I am going with mm-hmm. this is that the importance of activism and yeah. activists mm-hmm. Um, in the labor movement is mm-hmm. something that we not only can connect um, on a historical basis, but we can identify with right now. Every time there's a protest in the street, mm-hmm. every time people are raising their voices about an issue, about an event, about something that's run afoul of mm-hmm. social justice, somebody... yes. Somewhere or a group of people somewhere got together 
and organize Some people that. think it just happens. And I'm like, no, No, man, we all don't. You know, it's not telephone. We all do yo, let's, let's no, meet on the corner of, uh, you no. know, Bedford and Eastern Parkway, and we're going to organize. No, someone has planted a seed, yeah. spread the message, yeah. um, and organized being the operative word here. There's a playbook uh, somewhere. There's a playbook somewhere. Yeah. One of the biggest and... and not most important, but very dear to me and very empowering to me was the the women's movement that was organized immediately following the election. That's the of, only thing of, that upset me because it was after the why y'all didn't do it before. Why we didn't do it before? Yeah. Why we didn't um, do it before? And that's that's also another conversation we have with regard to politics and organizing. Um, we we shouldn't wait to react. We should act. Offense. Offense, always, always on, the, on offense. the offense, and that's something that you always say. Um, I, I introduced to you that I'm, I'm about to start um, a social media page where I'm uniting a group of professional women to come together, not just to network, uh, but also to be part of events like voting, uh, political campaigns, raising our voices, empowering women. You have your own opinions about it. <laughs> in terms of, of the, the viability of its success. But I say this to say, because of our talks and because of the way we communicate the importance of, of these events, missions, and organizations, um, instead of me sitting around wondering why the process is not working, I always do my best to be part of the process and at least say, yo, man, I tried. Grease the axle. Yo, man. I, I did the best I could. Now, I can't do everything, you know, and I know you feel that way sometimes as well. Uh, look, I can't do it all, but I, but I do what I can. You are a staunch Democrat. Can, yeah. I, can I go out on a limb and say that? Yeah, way out there. Staunch Democrat. I'm okay with it. There are reasons why you are a Democrat, and it's not just you know my mom and my daddy were a Democrat and no. so on and so forth. It, it goes it goes far beyond. Uh, a legacy, you know, is not just part of your DNA, and you have very strong feelings about it. Why do you vote Democrat? Labor, in the period, point blank. Mm. Because my my thing, you know, if I live to be a hundred, I'll never have an abortion. That's not my discussion. That's right. You know, even if you made it about a religion or religious view, there has to be a separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Why? But because uh, our forefathers said that, sure. you know, even though we blurred the line quite a bit, and and quite I don't like that, you know. Yeah. But my belief. You can't pick and choose when you want to follow the constitution. Well, they, no, they do everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna put that out there. My belief is, without a job, none of the other other stuff matters. You know, right. I can be pro gun legislation, but if I don't have a job, you know. Well, mm-hmm. how can I purchase the gun? Right. How can I purchase the license? The you ammo can't arm yourself. And I can't yeah. do any of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't have anything to protect. I won't have a home to protect right. if I don't have a job. And so to me, that is the base of, of, of everything. If you can't uh, establish sustainability financially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nothing else matters, period. And so my vote will always be pro-labor. You know, and for those that have no idea, like they don't understand the importance of unions. When you take a holiday off, guess how that happened? Child mm. labor laws, weekends off. I see, I see Facebook flooded every Monday about how much they hate Mondays. Right. Well, guess what? Before unions legislated, there was no Sunday, Saturday, Sundays off. Yeah. It was you work Sunday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, forty-hour work week. 
I mean, just on and on and on. I can go on for days. And so, which brings me, some people say, okay, well, since all that stuff is established, there's no need for unions anymore. Are you kidding me? Mm. There's fights going on every day in regards to union and protecting workers. The thing I hate about unions more than anything, we, we have legislation and fight for people that hate us. Right. They hate union, but mm-hmm. the, what we get passed will benefit them as well. But they still hate us. FMLA, Bill Clinton mm-hmm. signed that into legislation. Guess who lobbied for that? Yeah. Unions. But, but I see people that hate unions benefit from that every day. Every single day. And don't even think twice about it. And I've also seen and heard people that have the benefit of a union, but they don't take advantage of, of the, the benefits that are afforded to them or they have an opportunity to be part of a union and they're just uh, f- out of fear, out of being misinformed or uninformed, don't take part of it. Mm. You had a conversation you know, with Ashley not that long ago about the importance of unions and, and why she should be an active part of, of unions if it is afforded to her. Um, she and I had a conversation the other day uh, about you know just long working hours and being called while you're supposed to be off and and so on and so forth and I'm trying to channel you <laughs> and and your you know information that you've given me and I'm like well what does the book say yes. that you know what did, you need to to talk to you know your human resources professional or whoever's in charge of that kind of thing get the employee handbook learn it from from front cover to back cover and when these types of things happens you you can stand up and say that that's not in the book well, the thing, that's not the, the policy. thing about being called in, you know, I worked on call for 25 years, you know, railroad. Well, if that I was is on the understanding when you take the job. Listen, I work a job, a regular job, which means they can't call me in. Right. So when the railroad did call me in, I just don't answer. Mm. What are they going to do to me? Right. I'm not paid to be on call. Mm-hmm. If I'm on a 24 hour um, extra board, I'm paid to be on call. So if they call me and I don't answer, then it, then that's, there are repercussions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not paid to be on call, why why even answer? Right. I had a guy said, "Man, they called me while I was on vacation. What the hell you answer for?" Like I, I don't even understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, yeah, I think some people they beg to want to be needed, and then they complain about people that need it. <laughs> so just that's yeah. a new one. Well, I got to write that one down. <laughs> That's a new one. So <clears throat> what, we're, what we've managed to do uh, in this first episode is discuss politics, not just uh, local, national, you know, politics, but we have been able to kind of just parse that down into saying there's politics in just every aspect of one's lives. Oh, and there's a process to the politics mm-hmm. that... At the end of the day, we have to be part of. If we're not part of the process, if we don't seek to be part of the process, or at least, at the very least, understand it, we can't complain when things do not go our way. Correct. And that, in and of itself, is a problem. I and mean, all the way down yeah, to it's like toxic. Your HOA, man, I can't, I can't stand the people that run my homeowner association. Well, how many meetings have you gone to? Man, I don't go. That's a waste of time. Wait a minute. Right. So you're complaining about the way they run it, mm-hmm. but you don't go participate 
in the running. Right. I'm 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 so confused. Yeah. Like if if it's community decisions, that means you're a part of that community. You you have a say. But if you don't go participate, if you don't go to the meeting when they vote uh no more brown paint in this mm-hmm. neighborhood. No more homes can be painted brown. All homes that are painted brown, you have exactly 12 months to change your paint or we will have a painter come out to your house, paint it to the color that we say, right. and we'll send you a bill. <laughs> well, that ain't fair. We'll make sure you're at the meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's how this works. But if you don't go to the meeting and you don't participate, don't get upset when that painter shows up right. and you get the bill. Right. Well, thank God there are people out there that are fighting for uh, gender equality uh, to do away with huge gaps in, you know, pay disparities and and who are fighting for social justice and equal rights, but they can't do it by themselves. Like it it takes a collective, you know, hence the word collective bargaining. (laughs) It takes a group of people and it takes a reason to be part of the process. I I want you to to just sum it up for us because it's so simple and people make it so hard. Mm. If you're going out to vote, vote for what matters for you. Mm-hmm. Vote for what is going to affect you directly. Why do you vote, Mr. Carlos Wallace? I want to be able to feed my family, period. You know, I vote labor even though I'm retired mm-hmm. now. Uh, I, I do have the benefit of railroad retirement. I want to make sure railroad retirement is there, not just today, but in the future for many, many, many years. You know, there's always been threat. Railroad retirement sits pretty good. We're mm-hmm. in the surplus. And there's always been threats to merge railroad retirement with the dying Social Security. And, of course, as a railroad, we, we're like, no, no way. We're doing just fine. Right. Everything in comparison. Don't muddy our waters. No. Everything in comparison, <laughs> railroad retirement versus Social Security, we blow it out of the water. And we like it just how it is. Mm-hmm. Leave us alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and we put in the work. We, we, we fought, so allow us to reap the benefit. All right. That sounds like the perfect last word to me. That's all I got to say. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, guys. For more about Carlos, please visit www.carloswallace.com. Stream Life is Not Complicated, You Are, and The Other 99 Times. Train your mind to enjoy serenity on Tidal, Spotify, and Audible today.